Come get on the Everybody to Podden Ain't Easy. I am one of your hosts, Scott McLeod. Here, welcoming you to another episode of this podcast here, where we look back on all sorts of things to do with Marvel, Star Wars, and anything else pop culture that we can be asked to talk about. Uh, and we are continuing our journey through the apocalypse, the various apocalypses of the podcasting timeline, as we get on to episode three of Loki, or as I like to call it, the episode where shit gets real. And we'll delve into the reasons why momentarily. Uh, I'm joined by a man who is seeing all, a lot of this stuff from Loki happen for the first time, a man who has already watched episode four, so knows a lot about what's to come, but won't spoil anything. But uh, Carl, uh, how are you enjoying Loki so far? Yeah, uh, I've been really enjoying it. It's... Uh... It's so good, and the temptation, because they've all aired and on there to watch them all, is uh, getting to the point where it's getting very difficult to resist. Mm-hmm. No, I totally get it. I think you're, you're starting to feel how I felt uh, when we got like midway through and we talked about eventually reviewing Loki, but like, I can't hold off to when we review it. I have to just keep on going, because uh, you never really know at this stage about what's going to happen with all the there are a lot of other questions about who is this new Loki that we're, we've been introduced to, what's what's our plan and everything, how are they going to get out of this situation. But we should mention, when you're hearing this, I won't be in my usual place in my house recording this. I will, uh, when you think you're hearing this, I will I'll be on my holiday when you hear this. I'm being lovely. I, I want to say sunny, but I can't guarantee the weather because it's still Scotland I'll be in. <laughs> uh, I'll be in lovely Pitlochry. Uh, I've, I've never been, but you know it's an hour or so away from Aviemore, and I've been there before, and that's usually lovely. So, you know, I'm going to be, get away from the stresses and you know get out of this this toxic environment that Rogue Opinions has created for me. You know, I've done <laughs> I, I, I've done I've done two podcasts with Liam in the last week. That's that's how bad that's how much I need to get out of here. Two podcasts with Liam, crikey, glutton uh, for punishment. Well, you've done you do a semi you've done two semi regular podcasts with him. I can't imagine how you feel at this stage. I'm I'm a broken man, a shell, <laughs> a shell of my former self. <laughs> yeah, I mean, of course, I had to for completion's sake had to have him on No Rogues Bar, and so it should be coming out. We'll see next week. Uh, I'll aim for that. But at the same time, I I love to show off how good I am at quizzes, so I had to appear on his whatever the hell you can describe his quiz as and uh, to <laughs> prove that I could do it. It's uh, His quiz is a Nexus event waiting to happen, I, I think. Very much so. I, I I just wish there was some proof we could find that, that he is a variant so we could just prison <laughs> him. <laughs> is that possible? I don't know. We can hope. We can hope. Yeah. So, you know, while at work, I may be just 
skating by uh, on, on before my holiday. I do not skate by when it comes to this podcast. I all, I'm putting my 100% my effort behind uh, Podden Ain't Easy, especially when we when I'm doing a podcast with my good friend, my other half of Team Godfather here. But, you know, Carl, you know, we've been talking about doing a Marvel list at one point, and by the time people are listening to this, uh, two episodes of What If will have already have aired. Uh, it's the issue with Marvel as opposed to Star Wars. You know, we had some time before Visions and that Boba Fett thing started, and I know the Bad Batch is still going on. But, like, Marvel are even more relentless with the way they're releasing things. They're giving you very little time in between. It was like, by the time you've done your list and everything, they've released fucking two more shows, probably, on Disney+. Plus. Yeah, it, it's difficult, because, yeah, they do seem to be uh, releasing shows at an astonishing rate. Because mm-hmm. I believe the plan is, like, the next two shows that are planned after What If are the Miss Marvel show and Hawkeye. And the the plan, according to Marvel, is to release those two before the end of 2021. Uh, I don't know, at least Hawkeye will be probably next. But then, I don't know if they're still planning on doing Miss Marvel in 2021. So yeah, by the end, in 2021 alone, we've, not including Black Widow, just TV shows, we'll have had WandaVision, Falcon, Winter Soldier, Loki, What If, uh, Hawkeye, Miss Marvel, potentially. That's six. Um, I mean, we're getting spoiled, really. Yeah, it's not something that really we're complaining about, and I don't even know what's happening release-wise with the movies. I don't even know what the next movie is that's coming out. I, I, I want to say either Eternals or Spider-Man, or the Shang-Chi. Shang-Chi, I think that comes in September. Yeah, I think that's the next one. I think Spider-Man is scheduled for later this year, but it's gone quite quiet on that front at the moment. Yeah, I mean, we're getting all sorts of teases, also, like, and speculation of who's going to appear, because they're talking about bringing back past people but you know I would have thought by this stage we'd have some sort of trailer because I think they were aiming originally for like a December 2021 release because like they saw Spider-Man appearing and Doctor Strange designing with the multiverse thing and I think uh, Doctor Strange is currently slated for February of 2022 yeah that's what I've heard as well but we'll, we'll have to see we'll have to see I'm sure we'll see something sooner or later I know that uh, Doctor Strange apparently has already been filmed. So, and I don't, but like, it's it's amazing, like you said, how little details of uh, Spider-Man uh, No Way Home has really, have really been revealed recently. But speaking of Shang Chi, given that's the latest thing, uh, have you been watching the trailers for that? Have you ever got any thoughts ahead of that? I actually haven't seen any trailers for it yet. Uh, I'll have to, I'll have to make that my homework before <laughs> the next part. Yeah, I recommend it because it, it very much does look like it's you know more than a martial art based movie than than you know a Marvel film. I think they're doing what Marvel's done well with their pre- in the last couple of phases with their solo movies where they don't just make them like zombie films, but they add another genre in there. Like you, Ant Man was a heist film crossed with a superhero. You got like you had like your space adventure like, yeah, thing with Guardians and so like that. You had like your almost I don't know like. I'm trying. I'm trying to think. What you almost a thriller like thing when you had uh, when you had like Captain America Winter Soldier and mm. Civil War, like guys people being on the run and everything like that. So like mixing other genres and with uh, and with superheroes, like or or the other way I can describe it is it's what Iron Fist wanted to be. Uh, yeah. 
because uh, like I know they've got multiple characters, uh, multiple characters with uh, martial arts as part of it, but I think just by looking at the trailers, like execution-wise, they're going to be able to pull off uh, pull off Shang-Chi better than they did Iron Fist. Uh, I don't know much about the guy, but you know, I don't think he's known. I think he's one of these guys who's known has a martial arts background, but isn't quite well known yet acting-wise. So I'm assuming this is going to be his, like his like breakout role. Yeah, it, it sounds interesting. It's not a character I'm really familiar with, so um, yeah, I'm excited to see what they do with it. Yeah, so like, as you know, a lot of us didn't know who the fuck the Guardians in that were, and look how how well that went. Exactly. Uh, well, that's all in the future from our our first. Currently, we have Loki episode three, and I have the my notes here for the show. I'm going to give people a quick rundown of the plot. Before we delve into like, the key points of this episode, which is pretty much all Sylvie and Loki here. Uh, at the start of it, we see how Sylvie can manage to use her her powers to you know get the location of the Tinkeepers out of C12 by tapping into her memories and getting the information out of her. Uh, before then, picks up after the the title cards come up right from one of the last episodes picked up, where Loki follows her through the portal. Which takes them to the TVA, which is taking advantage of all the chaos to try and get to these golden elevators, which will lead to the timekeepers. Uh, she quickly learns that her magic isn't very useful, but she's more than capable of handling herself, you know, like hand to hand. She easily dismantles the, the Minutemen, like prunes a couple of them, takes one of the six that they use. Loki realizes he's going to need a weapon, so he takes the. I don't think we really mentioned this part in the last episode, but. Uh, Loki was given a couple of nights by Mobius before they went to the uh, hurricane to find Sylvie and B-15 came out and went absolutely not and put them in our locker so then Loki comes in and goes and gets those knives out of the locker before confronting Sylvie which I thought was quite smart and he confronts her, Renslayer shows up with a couple of minute men you know, Sylvie tries to like threatens to kill Loki but she doesn't seem to give a shit uh, but Loki grabs the temp pad off of Sylvie and just presses random so they can get out of there. And they end up on uh, one of the many apocalypses that Sylvie has fled to over the years, but he chooses potentially the worst one as they land on a, a moon called Lamentus 1, a planet called like, Lamentus 1, where a moon is about to crash into it, and you know, there's meteors everywhere. They've only got 12 hours before the whole place is destroyed, and the tent pad is running low on charge, so they can't just get the hell out of there. So they are for even that, so after a wee bit of them try to trick each other, they eventually are forced to work together and find out what's going on. Uh, they realise that there's a train leading out of town to a, a ship called the Ark, which is meant to be used to evacuate people. So they want to hijack the train and use train find a power source to fuel up the the tent pad. Uh, they have a plan which involves Loki dressing up as a guard to get Sylvia onto the train. And while they're on there, they have a wee bit of a chat and we learn more about her and Loki shows a bit more vulnerability, and then he gets drunk and sings on the train, which causes a bit, or is a bit too much suspicion about them, and eventually it's the fight that gets not only them kicked off the train, but the time, the temp bag gets damaged to the point where it's useless. So, they, they go to plan B, which is to hijack the Ark and get off the, the planet, and they make their way there, they fight through a bunch of uh, guards through the city as you know, meteor rocks are falling through and everybody's running around panicking. And just when it looks like they're about to get there in time, the Ark goes to take off. And as what is set to happen in the timeline, uh, the Ark is destroyed, leaving uh, Lamentus 1 on track to be uh, destroyed as it's meant to happen. 
but also leaves Loki and Sylvia in a place of like, well, what the hell do we do now? And leaves. It ends on a very, very like the saddest ending we've had so far because it ends on a, you know, just sad music as they're all they're all standing around like, you know, what now? And you're left wondering because it's a weekly release show. You're wondering, oh god, how the fuck are they going to get off this planet? We need to wait till next week to find out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's uh, that's the trouble. When when they leave it on like cliffhangers like that, it's it's so hard not to watch the next episode. Now I thought we were double recording this week, so that's why I watched episode four. But turns out we didn't need to, so I watched it for nothing. But. Uh. Uh, Oh no! I let you didn't get anything out of that. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's uh, it's such a fun episode. I mean, we talk about the chemistry between um, Loki and Mobius from the first two episodes, and here we see great chemistry between Loki and and Sylvie. Um, you know, it, it just shows you how great Tom Middleton is. To be fair, yeah, totally. Uh, before we talk more about them, uh, I was going to ask you the same question that I asked uh, last time. Uh, what's this for the first time? What was the most surprising thing to you that you, like, as somebody watching for the first time, and, like, what, what moment most surprised you that you didn't already know about? Um, there really wasn't much on this episode, to be honest. Um that really sort of made me go, oh wow, I wasn't expecting expecting that. So uh, it was, it, yeah, nothing really took me by majorly surprises on this episode. I have to say, oh, well, fair enough, fair enough. Uh, I did like that they picked off right where the last episode kind of left off with yeah. the fight and and TV. It's all you know, everything's all happening at once. But then they land on this planet where they need to. They're forced to then work together, even though they're both very much have similar traits of, you know, a Loki, which means they're very untrustworthy. So two untrustworthy people have to trust each other. And that is your main premise for this episode. And it works very well. And like you said, the, the chemistry between two, especially the scenes on the on the train uh, between the two is where you really get to see it. Yeah, definitely. We also find out that typical Loki that Sylvie was lying about not being interested in the timekeepers because she certainly was. That's what her plan had been all this time, uh, saving the temp pads and um, the um, the pruning bums, whatever they're called, Mm -hmm. um, to distract the TVA so she could get into the um, girls' elevator and find the timekeepers. So even though she tells Loki she wasn't interested in the timekeepers, she clearly is. And yeah, as you say, um, she pretty, she's a very good fighter. Pretty, pretty much uh, held her own and was able to beat up the uh, the Minutemen. And um, as you say, Loki realised they were done for, so he pressed somewhere on the temp pad to. Uh, to get him out of Dodge, and I quite like the fact where she was, oh, you sent us to the worst possible place. And he's like, well, I didn't exactly have time to go through the brochure. <laughs> Absolutely. And so, like, it goes to show, like, also the amount of different places she's got. She's got this tempad, like, that she's used, and she's got all these places, like, ready to go that she could just escape to at a moment, which explains further why she was able to you know, avoid the TVA and at best them as quick as much as she was able to. 
for like the majority of however long they were, however they were, like chasing her. And you also get to learn on the train like the differences between these two versions of other than the fact that one's a man, one's a, a woman, and one likes to be called you know Sylvie. But like the differences in how they're brought up is like Sylvie reveals that she knew that she was adopted and was told from an early age, and she, like and Loki is like surprised by this because he mentions like being adopted. He goes, oh, I'm sorry, is that a spoiler for you? Uh, she doesn't know I knew, and do you wonder, like, well, there's also a lot of Loki's motivations in the first Thor and in the Avengers was uh, being angry and you know, not knowing that he was adopted, but still thinking he was the rightful ruler of Asgard. So you wonder you know, if he was like Sylvie and how and knew that he was adopted like early on, how how different would Loki have turned out? Yeah, and I wonder if uh, Thor is a woman in that universe as well. That'd be uh, interesting. But I also like the way their um, their powers are different and sort of complement each other as well. Where sort of Loki's powers are very sort of external with making um, illusions that you can see. Um, Sylvie sort of goes in your mind and does it all sort of internally. Oh, um, I must admit, I was not maybe surprised, but I was a bit confused by the cold open where you see her with C20 in like a uh, like it's like a restaurant summit and she they're chatting away and I'm wondering, no. But first I wondered if it was, because uh, I didn't recognise C20 out of her uniform and uh, helmet and everything. So I was wondering if this was like a flashback to Sylvie before she went on the run. And then I quickly realised, no, it was um, Sylvie inside C20's mind trying to get all the information she needed to uh, find the TVA and find the um, timekeepers. Mm-hmm. So that was quite cool. Yeah, definitely. Because like, Loki has been told that everybody in the TV was created by timekeepers. Like, you had that guy that you threatened in the first episode who said, like, I've spent my whole life at a desk or, like, as far as he knows, he's spent his whole life at a desk. But she then revealed the major twist of the episode saying that uh, they're all everybody at the TV is a variant. This whole thing about them being created by timekeepers that's not true. And uh, so you went, we don't get really much details of how she found that out. Uh, Loki's like very confused, and we're we're forced to kind of move on uh, to the next to like getting off the, the the world before they can delve into that more. But mm. she even says about C twenty like having to go into those memories. Like she talks about how she's away enchant people. Yeah. Uh, that- that's right, because that the illusion she created inside C20's head is actually a, a past memory before she was a, a TVA agent, wasn't it? And as you say, that's quite a big twist, actually. The the fact that they're there, you know, she says they're, they're all variants. So not all is as it seems with the TVA. Yeah, and she says that it's clearly like C20 has probably been with the TV for a long time because Sylvie said she had to go back like a good few hundred years to get to find those memories that she eventually used at the start of the episode and you know trying to put this in her in an environment get a lower in and then before it then starts asking questions about the TV and then changes kind of the environment slightly whenever C20, C20 starts you know, you know twigging out that something's not quite right and like she describes the idea of like being contacted and basically grabbing hold of their their minds and like the, the stronger the mind, the harder it is to really take control. And it's weird because Loki's not able to do that kind of on his own because his powers very much vary. Because you say, you know, it's magic and everything. We see them like pretend to be other people, like when he pretended that he was uh, Odin for a little while. 
like he's never really been able to control people's minds without his staff, which we now know that was mainly the power of the staff and the fact there was an Infinity Stone inside it, and it wasn't really Loki that used that to keep control people's minds, so he's not able to do a lot of what Sylvie can do. Yeah, and it doesn't appear that Sylvie can do what Loki can do. Uh, we haven't seen any evidence that she can create um, illusions and change her appearance. She can sort of uh, take over people by enchanting them. But um, so, yeah, very different. You see how it complements each other when they try and board the train. He, he, he does a disguise and pretend he's got Sylvie as a prisoner. And when it, it, when he, they get so far, but it doesn't work on one guard, so she enchants him, and mm-hmm. um, that gets them all the way in. So it's quite nice to see how their, their powers can sort of combine to to help themselves out. Yeah, definitely. And can you just talk about the uniforms these guards are wearing? Like, they have to not come in contact with? It just looks like, I don't know if anybody's seen the old G.I. Joe and how the, the baddie and that Cobra Commander looked in that. That's basically what these look like. You go... Try that into Google and then watch this episode and tell me these don't look exactly <laughs> the same. As I say, perhaps they got them. Perhaps they got them there from them cheap or something. <laughs> perhaps, perhaps. And then you you, know, you have them on the uh, have them on the train. You know, he's trying to like find out more about her and why she's what her issues with the TV. But she's also being very secretive still. And you know, like, they talk about like, oh. He said earlier in the episode, you don't really strike me as a Loki. He goes, oh, well, what makes a Loki a Loki? Like, you know, independence, style. He goes, oh, yeah, and so naturally you went to work with the most oppressive people in the universe. Uh, so I was like, because she also sees them as the bad guys. Because uh, he also is a variant. Uh, and then you learn more about them. He had, yes, they talk about dating and everything. And Loki kind of leads, uh, you know, makes implications that he may, you know, be at least by or something like that because you know she goes, Oh, there must have been princesses for you or another prince perhaps which is then he just says a bit of both. And you know, there might be people out there who don't like this revelation about Loki's character who might think it's just been thrown in there for inclusivity's sake. But to tie into what we talked about in the last episode, let's remind you that Loki is the so called god of mischief, born the son of frost giants, but it was adopted by Odin of Asgard, raised with the god of thunder as his brother and then <laughs> Try to take over the world with the Ego Earth with an army provided him by the mad titan Thanos and use the staff with an infinity stone inside of it. And then got kidnapped by the Titan Keepers Authority who apparently work for three super beings called the Titan Keepers and is teaming up with a female version of himself. But you know, this is too hard for you to keep your, wrap your heads around. <laughs> it also is perfectly normal to me. I think it kind of makes sense. Someone like... Uh... A being like Loki would, um, you know, find uh, both sort of sexes um, attractive. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was gonna say, it does, I don't think things like gender or anything really matter to people mm. like someone like him or someone who was raised a god and everything. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Uh, a, one of the best bits of this episode is uh, Sylvie falls asleep. And then wakes up to see Loki singing. And the subtitle, if you have the subtitles on, it just comes up at certain points. Loki sings in his guardian. And then it's <laughs> in English. And he's getting everybody joining in a big sing song. And he's getting pissed. And she's waving all of like, hey, what are you doing? And he just waves back, like, hi. <laughs> and 
And then also a little dive back to, you know, Asgard, especially what you see in the first Thor movie, he just smashes his glass on the floor and goes, another. <laughs> uh, yes. <laughs> and yeah, they, uh, they do get suspicious and they sort of ask him for their tickets. So a fight breaks out and yeah, Loki gets uh, thrown through a window. <laughs> <laughs> I have a moving train. <laughs> uh, and, you know, Sylvie can just not be bothered with, with Loki in the slightest. She's got this plan that she's really been working years to and she sees him as a hindrance uh, to her plan. And then when the tempi gets broken, she's like, oh God, we're, we're done for. Yeah, Loki is like the Liam of rogue opinions. You're doing your best to record a sensible, good podcast. And there he is, effing about and talking about shagging raccoons. <laughs> What he does in his own time is his business. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then they, they make their plan to, you know, take the over the arc to the ship that's meant to take off. That's where the train was going. And originally I thought, like, oh, well, this is like also their way of trying to get off the planet before it explodes. But also I realised that they're, both of them, for varying reasons, need to get back to the TVA. And also they're at these apocalypses. These are events that are meant to happen. As long as you go there, like them getting on the train wouldn't, as long as the planet blows up, them being on the train won't affect the timeline. They probably wouldn't be detected, which is why they, we don't see Mobius or anybody else from the TVA uh, after they end up on Lamentus 1. But if they get the arc off the planet before it's destroyed, then that would affect the time, which means the TVA would detect them, which I think in there, even though they don't see it as their way of saying they're, we're changing this predetermined event of the arc being destroyed, which means the TVA will then come for us and you know, she can get, she can try and get back to wherever she wants to do the thing, where she wants to confront them or kill them or wherever she wants. Yeah, I mean, they know the art didn't make its uh, destination, but what, if, what they didn't realise is it never even took off at all because uh, mm-hmm. it got obliterated before it even had a chance to lift off. So <laughs> their plan was buggered before it even started, even though they didn't really know that. Yeah, I may say when we talked about the variance thing, that a lot of people picked up this at the time and it got me very interested when I wanted to learn more about this whole variant theory because it might give you more to why why Mobius was so fascinated with jet skis. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it might, it might, perhaps he was a jet ski instructor in, a, in his former life or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because you might wonder, like, uh, maybe subconsciously, like, this is a memory from his time as a as like wherever he was before, and it makes sense that you know these people are all variants that they think he was for whatever reason would keep them all here in the TVA because you know they go to events that are on MB, everything resets, and then they disappear. And you know, they're all in the TVA, like that's part of the reason Loki was like kept to the TVA by Mobius, and that you know he can't go back to his own town without fucking things up. But if he stays in TVA, then not everything's all right, yeah, yeah. Exactly. It's all um, it's all quite cool, and I say it. It sort of hints that all is not how it seems at the TVA and with the timekeepers. So there's obviously a lot of stuff there to to find out as you go through the episodes. I'm assuming. Yeah, and it's like what I said with the first episode, where that was a lot, of, very much a lot of talking. Even though Loki says he doesn't like to talk, but it was a lot of talking and you know setting up the premises showing what you what you think you know uh, and then it's episodes like this right in the midpoint that then reveal something that flips that 
what you thought you know on its head and you're left with questions that for the rest of the years of like, how is this possible? Why is this happening? Yeah, it's really cleverly done. It's well, it's all well written and, and well put together and two very strong um, characters uh, and actors really building this episode together. Yeah, it's all about actors. Like I mentioned the actor plays like Shang-Chi like, and probably, his probably bigger role probably is going to be this film. I, I, I have to confess, I, I don't think I'd ever seen the woman who plays Sylvie before this show, like I couldn't tell you what else she's been in before this, but I think I think she's very good in the role that she's got, and I think she's going to get a lot of attention after after this show. Yeah, I must admit, I I hadn't heard a lot of her, Sophia De Martino. <laughs> Although I think she is, I think she is British. She can, even though her name doesn't suggest yet. Yeah, born in uh, Nottingham. Let's have a lot. I've got on IMD. She's been in Silent Witness before now. Uh, some program called Flowers. So I've been in a couple of things. Nothing I've really watched or, or heard of. Oh, Midsummer Murders. There you go. You've got to be big to be on Midsummer's Murders, haven't you? Yeah, I think a lot of the people in uh, the show, like, while all talented aren't as well known, which I think why in the lead up to this, the main people that we knew were involved in it were probably Owen Wilson and Tom Hiddleston because I think they were the, probably the most wild, widely well known out of everybody on the cast list. But yeah, uh, yeah, definitely. And I think even though she's not uh, a, a huge, huge star, she certainly holds her own next to Tom Hiddleston. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, does uh, seem like a very good actress. Yeah, I I definitely agree. And it's, it's also interesting. I don't think anybody's really brought this up, but you mentioned about a female Thor. I think they've they've done it in the comics before. And I think they're one, well, not when a female version of Thor, but when a female takes the mantle of Thor, and there's like that happening, following that storyline in the new Thor film. Uh, so uh, it's interesting that we've got that planned, and then we've got a female Loki. So at some point in the MCU. We have Sylvie going against whatever this female version of Thor is like in the comics. It's Natalie Portman's character that takes the Jane Foster takes the mantle. So the idea of seeing at one point this female version of Sylvie teaming up with Natalie Portman's character as Thor in a future MCU project, I think would be very interesting. Yeah, definitely that'd be cool. I'd be all aboard for that one. Because you look at the like the core MCU, you know, Scott Johansson's done now after Black Widow. Iron Man, spoiler, he's been killed off. Chris Evans is old. Well, at least in, in canon, Captain America is old, so Chris Evans is done. There's rumours that after Thor 4 that, that Chris Hemsworth will be done. I think the whole thing with Jeremy Renner is okay, and this new Hawkeye show is he's trading a new version of Hawkeye so that he can eventually disappear. And uh, so it seems like obviously a lot of these main characters, I don't know what's going to happen with Mark Ruffalo, but. It seems like a lot of the core people who have been doing this for a long time are slowly or surely phasing out. And you got to wonder, like, as good as he is in this role, how much longer Tom Hiddleston can, can play Loki because he's been... The first time he played Loki was in 2011. Yeah, um, well, I suppose we'll just have to see, won't we? But I, I think it is quite cool that they are sort of changing... changing the app, you know, changing the... Um, sort of 
characters with the with the, the different actors that are coming in to portray them and moving forward rather than what a lot of franchises seem to do, which is sort of press the reset button and start all over again. So I like I like the fact that they're moving forward with different versions of four and a different Captain America. Um, it's a lot better than going back and saying, "Oh, we're going to do redo Captain America one with this new young actor doing it," which uh-huh. gets very boring very quickly. Yeah, very much. Uh, well, one of the other things in this episode I really want to talk about is the differences that these two like handle, like their different approaches to things. Like they find a random old woman living it in the middle of nowhere on this planet, and she's the one that tells them about the train, and you know. Loki says to her, you know, no, she's got a sword and she wants to basically kick the door in and he says to her, you know, you know, brute force is nothing compared to cunning and guile and she goes, notice she gets the door open and immediately gets blasted. <laughs> and then and he he kinda laughs at her and goes like what and he tries to like he takes the form of this old woman's you know, late husband and he tries to kinda charm his way in and then she shoots him as well. And then Sylvia just turns to him and goes, Which one was that? Was that cunning or guile? <laughs> yeah, they're, but they're more similar than they'd care to admit, aren't they? Yeah, because she does try and enchant him like early on to try and find out where he's hidden the, the tape. But it's led to a lot of people thinking after the art blew up that was it going to be revealed in episode four that a lot of the episode actually went on inside Loki's head that she actually did manage to enchant him, which would have been a cool twist. But and. But it would I would explain why he was so like revealing with like his background talking so much about his mum and everything because like it's very rare we see that vulnerability you talked about in the first episode where he kinda has that almost bit of a breakdown after he sees what's in store for him if he went back. And you know, he talks about you know why he he's not didn't like hurting people but he feels he has to. Yeah, she's sort of it's quite a nice sort of touch. She tries to enchant him and uh, he's also like what are you doing? I'm trying to enchant you. It won't work on me. My mind's too strong. <laughs> uh, also, like this this planet, it doesn't. I don't. It doesn't look like much mainly because it's mostly already destroyed and it's on the brink of complete complete destruction. But it gets to like Scotland. <laughs> oh, cheers. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> but. They they get to the train. There's all these people being kept waiting, and while well, they let these rich people on, and you know, Loki and and Sylvie when they do this just casual, just casually walk past these people, and you know, the show just casually just tries to get you to forget that yeah, they're walking past these people. They've got this plan. All these people they're walking past are gonna die now. Uh, while they while they go sneak on with all these rich people, and the train basically leaves, leaving all these people to die basically, which uh, is a very morbid aspect to a Marvel show that. It's, it's, it's funny how they try and basically sweep by like well all these people are going to die don't think about it too much look look he's singing now he's drunk <laughs> it's quite a it's quite a good performance this bit of singing as well actually I was, I was impressed especially given that he has to sing it in a basically a, a language that the writers have made up and has to learn it it's like when actors go into like sci-fi shows and like, they make up a language for a different species or race of aliens and Whoever's portraying them has to then go away and learn that. Yeah, and sort of talk like it's a, a dialect we're comfortable talking. It, it must be very, must be very strange, and takes some getting used to at times. Yeah, yeah, I'd imagine so. Uh, 
And so actually the finale really makes the final part of the episode makes you really think that the plan's actually going to work out. They get there, they're quickly apprehended by some guards, but then they fight their way through and the, the, as it's getting closer to the destruction of the planet, the, like more rocks and everything are falling and so everything around them is going to shit. And it really reminded me, especially the ones I play, because I'm not very good at them, uh, reminds me of a level in a video game where you've got somewhere you need to be, you're at one of the harder levels, you've got somewhere you need to be, but for some reason, the game just stuck in more enemies than is probably needed at you to get by when you're trying to get on to the next stage. And then they're getting by them and like we can still make it and they're literally inches away from the rocket when the, the thing the ignition hits and before they can properly go, uh, like you said, it gets destroyed because like, they're like, oh, it, it never leaves because it's destroyed. With, well, it never had us on it. Like, well, if you were on it, you wouldn't have mattered because as we clearly seen that it barely got a chance to take off before it was destroyed. Yeah, exactly. It wasn't, as I say, it wouldn't have made a, a difference, unfortunately. But you do sort of, as the episode closes, you do sort of wonder how the hell are they going to get out of this one? Mm-hmm. Anyway, and also leaves me kind of wondering this episode, you know, it, it kind of like cooled down for a wee bit and then the action picks up right at the end and then realizing, oh God, like things are serious now, they're stuck on this planet, how are they going to get out of it? But you know, everything was all hands on deck at the start of the episode with the TV trying to solve everything that's happened to the timeline. It also leaves you wondering what's happening with that. Where's Mobius and everything? How are they going to like sort this whole thing out? Yeah, exactly. And uh, I, I did wonder at one point if the the broken temp pad was like one of Loki's tricks because he didn't seem overly concerned about it at first, did he? So I was expect, half expecting him to whip that out and say, um, actually, it's, it wasn't broken at all. I was just tricking you to try and get you to talk and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, like, it's like I said, you can never be sure like, what's genuine with these two because, as I said, the whole concept of this episode is two very untrustworthy people being put in a position where in order to survive they must trust each other. Yeah, it's <laughs> it's a it's a very awkward and interesting situation, definitely, because uh, can you ever really trust a Loki? Mm-hmm. It's a lot more of an odd couple situation than when mm. he was with Mobius because you know what Mobius is kind of all about, or at least he's he's going by what he's really been told by the, the team keepers, which we've learned is pretty much mostly a lie in this episode where they're at, whereas you've got the one the untrustworthy half of that buddy cop then teaming up with somebody who's almost exactly like him, but want to admit how much like him they are. So it leaves you with a more question of like how the hell are these two gonna make it work. Yeah, exactly. And he you can sort of tell towards the end of the episode he's 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 starting to warm to uh, Sylvie as well, isn't he? Perhaps maybe even starting to fancy her a little bit perhaps. Which is a which at first was a weird thing to kind of get out of my head around because like well, there's nothing technically wrong with it even though it's you know himself but you know she's very different you know she's from a different timeline of himself she doesn't call herself Loki so it's not technically not anything really wrong with it but when you really think about it she is no matter even though she doesn't call herself that she is a Loki at the end of the day so it is almost fitting that the one person Loki could feel close to is himself. It, it really is, yeah. The one person he could fall in love with is, is another version of himself. It, it makes sort of makes all the sense in the world, really. It, it really does, the more you, you kind of think about it. So, that, that is episode three, unless there's anything else 
you want to talk about before we delve into the ratings of this episode? Uh, no, not really. Um, even though it is a really good episode, it, 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 not a huge amount happens as, as as in sense of sort of big talking points, but the episode's still very watchable and it's great seeing, as you say, the, the chemistry between Loki and Sylvie develop as they uh, try and get off this planet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because... Well, there's a lot to be taken away with some of the dialogue, like the revolution about the TV and, and all the other things. But in terms of actions and episodes, it is very much, and the way it's structured, there is a lot, not a lot to really delve into. It's very like basic like situation they find themselves in. They've, they're in a dangerous situation, and they say that, oh, well, and she says at the start, there's only got 12 hours before it's totally destroyed. So they're on a, a time here, and you know the one plan that they really do have is a very risky and they go through it, fucks up, and they find a new plan, which then fucks, fucks up because it goes the way it's meant to. So they're against the clock and a very dangerous situation, which is which helps basically draw you into how basically how much they really have to work together, and basically further into is how they will do that. So, but like you said, in terms of plot, there isn't very much there, but there is it is entertaining to to watch them and to follow them. Uh, so. Carl, for your rating, what would what would that be for episode three, and how are you enjoying the season so far? Because you were filled with praise when I was we were talking about it before we recorded. Yeah, I'm really enjoying it. Um, so far, you know, I can't believe on a you know halfway through already. It's <laughs> uh, but yeah, I'd, I'd say seven and a half for me. Not not quite up there as a an eight because nothing. Huge happens, but it's a really well put together episode uh, and a lot of fun to watch. I'd say a bit of seven because it does kind of like I think it needs to kind of slow down a little bit after a while. I'm at the end of the last episode, and you know, like give, give you more information about this character that they've just introduced. But you know, like I said, it's not nothing groundbreaking or mind blowing because like there's still a lot more to come. I think with this revelation about the TV, like. We've still have been told like the bare like facts of like everybody there's a variant and everything, but like we don't know why the TV's all created by events. We don't know how the team keepers have factored into all this, so there's still a lot more to come with that revelation. So I don't think I can go higher than think it's entertaining as an episode as it is. Fair play, but still one of the better things on TV or streaming at the moment, just to keep knocking it out of the park with these Marvel and uh, Star Wars programs. Yeah, it's going to get to the point where people are going to start thinking we're, we're fucking chills for for Disney. We're just, I think it's just the fact like a lot of the stuff that I watch now is probably much on Disney Plus rather than somewhere like Netflix. But, you know, if they wanted, if Disney wanted to pay me in some way to keep talking up their shows, I would, I would not be adverse to it, you know. No, no, same here, but you know, if you just say, you know, call it well it is, they're excellent programmes and if they do so much shite we'll 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 call it out, but <laughs> they they haven't they haven't got there yet. Mm-hmm. You know, just saying a hey, Disney knows the late Bobby Heaton would say you won't offend me with cash. <laughs> <laughs> but and you people wouldn't offend us by following Rogue Opinions on Twitter at Rogue underscore Pains and checking out all the great content we've got going in our back catalogue and the great stuff we've probably got to come. Uh, Carl, would you like to tell us how people 
Don't you tell people where they can find you on Twitter and let them know what you've got coming up? Yeah, you can find me at Carlos underscore fire 80 on Twitter and Instagram. You can find us at rogue underscore opinions on Twitter, Instagram. Um, we've got coming up. We've got recently, I think it's been, yeah, I think it's been uploaded. Um, Cyberman edition of Rogue Chronicles, where me and Liam talk about Doctor Who mainstays villain, the Cyberman. Me and Nathan have done a pod uh, talking about Manchester United. So if you're a Manchester United fan, make sure to tune into that. And uh, we sort of preview the upcoming season and what we hope and expect from Man United this time round. And I think that's all I've got at the moment besides putting ain't easy fair enough and aren't you just lucky that you can't be a part of it oh 100% <laughs> uh, make sure to check out everything going on with either member of Team Godfather not just uh, on, at Rogue underscore opinion or at Carlos underscore fire to or at Scum Club 1996 but also you've got at Podden ain't easy you can follow all the goings on related to just Team Godfather your two favourite members of the Rogue Opinions team uh, and, as, and as for Rogue Chronicles, I'll be on there very soon. I think we're approaching that time where we get we're getting to the, uh, the Thanos episode of Rogue Chronicles. It's going to be a good one to listen to. Uh, I'm sure you guys will agree once you've heard it. Uh, you can find me. You can also find in the back catalogue uh, No Rogues Bard with my episodes I've done with Nathan, Carl, and now Ben. And by the time you listen to this, Liam's one will have already been recorded. Which is why I then immediately had to go on holiday to recover, <laughs> and uh, and that will be coming out sometime soon. I've also, if it's not already, I've done an episode of his quiz where we made a wager regarding, you know, some of the jokes that he has made about my mother, and uh, he would apologise <laughs> for if I managed to get the new high score uh, of any other contestant. I would, he would then apologise. So tune in to see if I managed to do it, and if he has to apologise to my dear saint of a mother. Uh, you know, I don't think I've got much else going on at the minute on Rogue Opinions outside of that. Uh, Scott and Ball's Ramblin' podcast keeps you know, moving along. Uh, we, we've got episodes about Frasier, we've got one about uh, In Your House, Eat Beware of Dog, and uh, sometime this week, or hopefully to release our episode about King of the Ring 1993, uh, an episode that we're both very much looking forward to, and we uh, hope you guys uh, take that out as well. Uh, in a couple of weeks' time, over at ESSR, Eat, Sleep, Soup, Light, Retreat on their YouTube channel, some big things I'm involved in. Uh, it's like it says of their show, Book It, where I'll be a part of that, where myself and uh, Jack Graham over there, who you may have heard on a past episode of Rogue Retro Smackdown, he was on. Uh, he and I have to go head to head trying to book a TNA versus WWE show, only using the rosters from each show that were around from June 2010. From only people from that period, uh, we have to pick out the best show and we go head to head and argue why our shows are better. Uh, and also the show, the quiz series that we do over there, a uh, quiz showdown. The uh, the latest issue will be coming out soon. I believe it's coming out after the the day after SummerSlam. Uh, it's quiz showdown thirteen. Can you feel the heat? Uh, primarily SummerSlam themed uh, event. And you know, I'm hoping to come out on top on another quiz. So, yeah, you know, everything I've got going on, no wonder I needed a holiday.
Uh, hey, exactly. You do. You need a break from your podcasting as much as work. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. I there are times where the podcasting is, is my primary focus. Work is secondary to me. <laughs> <laughs> and so it should be. God damn it! <laughs> so it should be because you know the people. My people at work they wouldn't quite understand as much as we do, uh, Carl. That podding really ain't easy. It really isn't. But, you know, we've got to go before, you know, a podcast inevitably reaches its uh, destruction. But somehow we'll get off here. We'll get the tempad fixed by the next episodes. And we'll see you for it, Loki episode four. Bye-bye, everybody. Yeah, you might you might get variants of um, me and Scott on the next podcast. Who knows? <laughs> maybe you may get a version of me that isn't Scottish and a version of Carl that can pronounce names properly. Yeah, or isn't old. <laughs> okay, let's not go too crazy. We'll see you next time, everybody. <laughs> Bye. He storms far to fjell Evandrea Lene Over Isbria Tying my friend I Apple Hagen Stamoyen Den Vene Och singe Na koma du Hjem Men trotter, dansar, 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 dansar,